0: From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. my
1: Every single expert says the MVP of the NBA this year could come down to a historically close vote. The question is, after last night, was that the one moment that pushes Joel Embiid to the top of the list and secures the award for him? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, were presented by Progressive Insurance. And again, you can, you can hang out with us tomorrow on First Take. 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN2, we will be hanging out with Christine Williamson. And Harry, I know we'll be talking a lot of NBA, and we're talking a lot of NBA today because Joel Embiid last night went off for 52 points in the 76ers' win over the Celtics. A couple things here for everyone to know. 52 out of 103. That's right, just over half of all the points. A two-point win over one of your biggest rivals and somebody that you're absolutely neck and neck with in the playoff run. These are the sort of Heisman moments that you see from great players that make you say, Huh? And in a world where half—I feel like—half the people talking about this don't really know much about Jokic, other than the fact that he's a back-to-back MVP. Having that kind of a moment in that kind of a game with that kind of an audience feels like the sort of thing that, right or wrong, could push Embiid to the top of the list.
2: No, one hundred percent. And you also look at how close the race is right now for the MVP award for this season between you know Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid and to have a game where he scores 52 points, 13 rebounds, 3 assists and was very efficient from the field, 20 of 25 that's phenomenal against the Boston Celtics who have the second best record in the NBA and who has the number 2 seed in the Eastern Conference at the time that's, that's phenomenal, those are the type of numbers that you want to put up to make your strong case for being the MVP of the NBA this year also, when you look at, you know, Jokic and the subpar game that he had and the loss that they had, the Denver Nuggets versus the Rockets and having eight turnovers, but then you also look over at Giannis and what he was able to do, right, versus the Washington uh, Wizards and having a triple-double, 28-11-10, but he also had eight turnovers in that game. Joel, Joel B right now, what he's doing on a consistent basis, night in and night out, being dominant, being able to, you know, shoot efficiently from the free throw line when he's getting there and he gets there often, uh, early and often, but also from the field, you know, the three-point line, back to the basket, facing the basket, putting, you know, guards in triple threat positions. You don't see that every day happening from 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 a guy that's seven foot and two hundred and eighty pounds. So he's really solidifying and making his case that he should be the MVP this year.
1: Yeah, and I think part of this comes down to the fact that Boston is so respected as an opponent too, right? They're they're a team that, it's not like they were sitting there playing him soft all night. It's not like he did that against a cupcake. It's not like he did that against a team that nobody knows anything about. And he's not like he did that against a team that had nothing to fight for, right? You have to yep. put all of these things into the conversation. Now, I said earlier, and I'll, I'll stand by the fact that I think that Giannis right now is the MVP of the NBA. But I also understand why even, you know, Drew Holiday pointed out his quote, Giannis has been MVP too much. He's been doing this too much. I feel like people get bored of it. It's kind of like the Braun effect. LeBron has done it so many times that people think it's normal now and it's not. I don't think that's just the case Harry for LeBron. I mean, uh, I've mentioned this before, but think about how we reacted the first time Russ averaged a triple-double for a season. It was like, oh my God, this is unprecedented. The next time, it's like, yeah, I mean, uh, in some ways, we cover the NBA a little bit like when you're going to see a magic trick. It's cool that you made the Statue of Liberty disappear this time, but next time it better be even bigger and even better. Like, just making the Statue of Liberty disappear over and over and again by a magician isn't going to keep the audience. It has every trick has to become a little bit more impressive and it feels like right or wrong that's how we're covering the NBA at this point like just watching Giannis be physically dominant isn't enough so there is a little bit of hey we've seen a lot from Jokic we've seen a lot from Giannis Embiid is doing all of these things at the right time against great opponents while we seem to have fatigue with some of the other players it just all stacks up
2: yeah and timing is everything and I will compare it to the Heisman Trophy, right? You may have a quarterback or whoever uh, is contending for the Heisman Trophy that season. They may be, you know, decent early on but at the end of the season when everyone is watching closely the most championship weekend of the conference and also you know dynamic and rivalry week against you know your rivals you put up outstanding games as Bryce Young did the year he won it against an Auburn against another I can't remember the other team where he had about 500 yards may have been Arkansas 500 yards in the air and then against the number one team the Georgia Bulldogs had that outstanding performance in the SEC championship game that's enough to sway voters and say, you know what, but, but Fitz, I'll say this the eye and the mind works. And it's crazy that it works like this, but what have you done lately? Because you could have one of the you could have a 60 point, 50 point game probably two months ago. But people are gonna remember that fifty-two point game from MB right now, down the stretch where there's only three games left for all these guys, because it's the most recent thing that happened.
1: I think there's also a point, though, where that makes sense simply because right now we have a better indication than ever on who not just the 76ers are, but who the Celtics are. And they're playing for yeah. so much right now. Like, it, you can excuse a night in the middle of February where somebody doesn't really seem to show up. And you're like, okay, well, it's just one of those nights. You get into this stretch, like we've been talking about with the Lakers, they can't take a night off, right? Like, you get into this stretch. I heard Greeney this morning acknowledge the fact that he has an MVP vote, it's due by Monday. He's going to wait all the way till Monday. I think that kind of makes sense because right now is when the most eyeballs and most pressure are there. You have the best idea of who the teams are. And frankly, it, it, voters are still human. If they hear constantly, wow, nobody can really tell. Nobody can really tell. It's a close race. Well, if you, if that's sort of even subconsciously in your mind, then you want to see what happens at the end of a close race to figure out who the winner is. So I, I genuinely think like the next four games will decide everything.
2: Well, and I think – Each of these guys have an opportunity to put on a great showing, right? You look at Giannis, right, who's averaging 31, 11, and 5 assists. There are three games they have left. They have the Bulls, Grizzlies, one of those opponents that's in the West. They have a number two seed right now, but that's an opportunity right there where you can really, 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 really have a hell of a showing and catch people, catch you know, catch the naked eye a little bit better. They also are the number one seed in the East, and not just the number one seed in the East. They have the best overall record in the NBA. You look at the Sixers and Embiid, who's averaging 33.3 points per game, 10 rebounds, four assists, and 1.7 blocks. They have the Heat the Hawks, and the Nets. Not a strong schedule left, but you have three opponents that are contending for a playoff spot. And then you look at the Denver Nuggets uh, and Jokic, who's averaging 28.8, 11 rebounds, and I think it's 10 assists. I think he's averaging a tri- triple-double. If
1: I think, not, I think nine, he's right. 9.8. He's just on yeah.
2: yeah. that's no, nah, that's damn 10 to me. Mm-hmm. I know how to round. They taught me how to round up in elementary. Oh, so amen. I'm going to round up to 10. But they still have the Suns. And the Kings, they have the Suns, Jazz, and King, but they have the Suns, who are really, really good, in Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton, who's a big, and also they have the Sacramento Kings, and you look at Sabonis and how he's been able to be efficient this year. So uh, so Jokic has two games to really you know, catch, his, catch some eyes.
1: Yeah, I love that you made that point, Presley playing against the Suns, because, my God, as, as hype as we are right now for what Embiid just did against the Celtics, if Jokic goes in and just thrashes the Suns, What are we going to be saying then, right? Like That's just the inevitability because every performance right now is going to be looked at with such close watching. The, The eyes are going to be all over the place on it. And With that being said, I'll never fault a coach that comes out and says the MVP race is over. Obviously, they're going to favor their guys. Doc Rivers, Philadelphia 76ers head coach, was on Keyshawn J. Will and Max. This is what he said with them this morning about what made him say that about the MVP race.
0: The 52 points were huge. Uh, the efficiency, twenty for twenty-five. The rebounds, the assists, uh, the game-changing shots defensively. You know, you're sitting there as a coach, and you say, "This is what an MVP looks like to me." And so that's why I said it. And and what else helped me say it? I guess is when we walked in the locker room, all the players were were saying it. So uh, it, it was almost it was almost like you better go out here and say this, coach, because it's true.
1: I'll take that emotion all day. Uh, That's part of a a team for the 76ers that's trying to win a championship. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with their vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors. Look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay guaranteed fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Coming up, why everyone's sleeping on one quarterback in this year's draft, and he may end up being the best of the bunch. I'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: The 2023 NFL Draft.
3: So you ready for the draft? Let's get started.
0: Live from downtown Kansas City,
3: Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open.
0: It all begins with Round One, Thursday, April 27th, on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. Fitz
3: and
2: Harry, the podcast.
0: 2023 NFL Draft.
3: So you ready for the draft. Let's get started.
0: Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The
3: NFL Draft is officially open.
0: It all begins with round one. Thursday, April 27th on ESPN Radio,
1: ESPN, and on
0: ABC. With the first
1: pick. Last year heading into the NFL Draft, I definitively said repeatedly, none of these prospects are worth the first round grade. Don't take any of them in the first round. Now, I understand why one went in the first round. It made sense. Still wouldn't have done it. This year, I started off the year saying, there's only two guys I'd really bank on. As we get closer and closer to the draft, there's somebody rising on the board that I think inevitably is going to go in the first round. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM Channel Lady Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance We'll get to the draft talk in a second, but we have some breaking news happening in Augusta. So now I get to play this fancy sound.
0: Live from Augusta, Georgia, this is a Fitz and Harry Masters update.
1: Harry, let's turn to our golf correspondent, Evan Wilner, Coming at you live from a microphone, looking at Augusta. Evan, what's the latest in the heat swamp known as Augusta?
3: Yeah, so we have our first hole-in-one at the Masters Part 3 contest. Seamus Power, on the eighth hole, hit some sort of wedge, because that's all they hit on this course. Spun it back, and it went in the hole. That is a hole-in-one, otherwise known as an ace.
4: Seamus Power, a young Italian man. I'm
3: Italian? No,
4: nah, he's
1: Irish. Okay. Uh... Look, <laughs> I'm going to tell you all right now. I don't know anything about who's going to win the Masters this weekend. I'm not going to lie to anybody about that. I'm going to be authentic about that, Harry. Me and you both. But I'm going to bet you, I'm going to guarantee you one damn thing. As soon as we get to commercial, I'm going to put 10 bucks on Seamus Power to win the whole thing. Why? Because when your name is Seamus Power, Seamus damn power, that's what he's now on. There's, like Seamus, Seamus is my guy now. I'm a, she- I'm a lifelong diehard Seamus fan. For the last like three minutes Seamus Power I mean come on who hasn't Seamus Power is the coolest name maybe in all of sports right
2: I gotta ask you a question <laughs> really quick yeah well no no if you have a gambling problem just call when it has a gambler <laughs> <laughs> because I just noticed like well we talk about a lot of stuff on this show like every single day <laughs> And you 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 go to, like, <laughs> you know, your, your little betting app, and you, you tell me a lot that you're going to put money on A, B, C, or D. And I say to myself, like, at what point do I let him know he might have a problem?
1: You know what? I, all I'm saying is that I have the money to throw around on Seamus Power because I've been throwing money on the Marlins team total under, which is now 5-0
3: <laughs> this
1: year. Oh, okay, I'm okay, just. I've did, been Fitz. Oh. I've been riding with you that entire time, and we're both five and zero. Oh. I'm telling you, I might need to go to the casino this week and put it all <laughs> on the craps table. <laughs> Uh, come to think of it, maybe I should talk to somebody. Uh, Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Uh, look, we'll get we'll keep you updated on everything. I know you're riveted. It's the Par 3 competition at the Masters, which you can watch on ESPN Plus right now, or you can watch it on tape delay. It will be broadcast on ESPN starting at 3 p.m. Eastern, so tons of ways that you can watch all of the adorable children and wonderful family members that have also been uh, taking a swing uh, with the clubs to see how things go. We'll keep you updated on any updates, but I, I I gotta tell you, Harry. I gotta tell you, Harry. I, I don't know. Last year, I was out on all the quarterbacks, and you know that I am wildly risk averse when it comes to Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. I think both of them couldn't. Both of them have scary things. So there are conversations about both of them in the top five that make me nervous. But the closer we get to the NFL draft, the more I feel like it is an absolute inevitability. There will be a fifth quarterback taken in the first round and it will be Hendon Hooker. And I know people will talk about the age and the injury, but the thing of it is, if you start looking at the way he played last year and then you start looking at what was asked of him in that offense and then you start looking at his ability to, uh, to read the field and make every throw... I don't think there's any real deficiency in who he was. Like He'd be a no-brainer top 15 pick in the draft this year if it wasn't for the ACL. And I'm not going to believe that an ACL injury, which is something athletes come back from all the time now, is going to be something that knocks him that far down the board. Somebody will trade up and take him to get that fifth-year option on his contract.
2: Yeah, ACL injuries in 2023, 2022 are different from ACL injuries, I would say, even from 2008 and 2009. You see guys coming back faster uh, technology has ramped up also, you know, the treatment that they're getting is that much better in today's world versus, you know, the old days when they used to have a scar that was probably, you know, four or five inches long. Mm. Today, the scar is probably, uh, you know, two inches long. So but when you look at a guy like Hinde Hooker, right, I look at his, his college career at Virginia Tech and also Tennessee, 80 touchdowns fits to 12 interceptions. He takes care of the football. Not only that, he's a dual-threat quarterback. You look at his rushing, and you look at last year at Tennessee. He rushed the football for 430 yards, five touchdowns. The year before that, 620, five touchdowns. The year before that, his last year at Virginia Tech, 620 yards, nine touchdowns. He is a guy that you can count on to be able to escape the pocket, And not only deliver the football down the field when he does so, but if he has lanes to run, he can. You can also add the QB run game and design runs to that as well. But a lot of these teams are blown out of the water with Hendon Hooker because of his knowledge and his, his intelligence. You know, talking about the offense all the way back from Virginia Tech, he hasn't been in the offense since 2020. But he still remembers things from it and not just one or two plays here and there. He can decipher and understand why they went to a play and what the coverage was and why they went through the reads. And he was in that offense three years ago, Fitz. So that's phenomenal to me.
1: You start talking about the draft order too. And I think it's important. Like, even if you believe he might fall and he's not going to be a top 10 pick, I think most people think that's pretty reasonable. Tampa Bay's picking at 19. They don't have any option at quarterback. Seattle is picking at 20. If they don't take a, a quarterback at the top of the draft, with that 20th pick, they're in an, an optimum situation to get themselves somebody that can sit for a year, learn under Geno, and then take over the offense in a year. They even structured Geno's contract that way. Baltimore, sitting at 22. Would it not be worth it when you realize that best-case scenario is you've got one year left to Lamar? Well, draft the next person that you're going to want to be the next Lamar, Minnesota, picking at 23. You mentioned earlier that Kirk Cousins is not the long-term option. Picking at 23, they make a ton of sense. So part of the reason I think they'll be uh, he'll go higher than some people expect is when you're talking about that many teams, uh, Tampa Bay, Seattle, Baltimore, Minnesota, four teams picking between 19 and 23 that all need a quarterback, that to me means if the top four are off the board and you're looking at Hendon Hooker and you were hoping to get him at the top of the second round, that ain't going to happen for you. You're going to have to move up to 17 or 18 in order to get to the right position to get that quarterback. But again, I think that makes sense because it gets you an extra year on the on the contract for somebody that's not going to play year one anyway. So why not do it at this point? To all the points you made, I can't find a reason not to draft Hendon Hooker.
2: And I'm going to add two more teams to it. You look at the Tennessee Titans at 11. Now, do they want to move back and try to take Hindenhooker? Hooker? That's up to them. That's their prerogative. If let's just say hypothetically the Houston Texans decided number two they don't want to take a quarterback there. They have the 12th pick. They also have the 12th pick in the NFL draft. And then one more team. You look at the Detroit Lions at 18. Right? If you kind of want to draft a replacement for Jared Goff, he's not going to play this season. Let him sit and learn. Now you have your guy that you can plug in on top of all the other teams that you mentioned, Fitz.
1: Yeah. And then you start looking even at the top of the second round, teams that might want to move up into the first round. You'll have the Rams sitting there at 36. They don't know what the health of their quarterback situation is. You have my beloved Raiders sitting at 38. Those are teams that are within striking distance of the top of the second round. They could easily give up a little ammunition to move back into one, which is, remember, what Baltimore did all the way back mm-hmm. the first time that when they drafted Lamar. That's how they did it, and it made sense in the moment. I I can't help but look at this and wonder, man, are we going to see a team that needs a quarterback make a move that makes sense, whether it's to your your point moving down or moving up a little bit just to get a quarterback that I don't care about his age even if he's 26 that still gives him 10 years to play in the, in the NFL well, well,
2: well you're guaranteed six years because you look at the contract right you're going to have those four years and we all know these quarterbacks are eligible after their third year in the league but also if you decide that you want to franchise tag them for I mean that uh, pick up their fifth year option for that fifth year and then in the sixth year you want to franchise tag them you're guaranteed six years Basically. Now, that's dependent on if the quarterback wants to sign that franchise tag, because now Lamar Jackson is going through that. But you're banking on, you know, that being a a possibility for your football team. So I think a lot of these teams, if they want to move up to the first round or take Hooker in the first round, you you have, I'll say, five years because he's not going to play in year one. So you have five years on the back end to see to see what he's going to do. Real quick here. I
1: got to play this sound.
0: Live from Augusta, Georgia, this is a Fitz and Harry Masters update.
1: We got another hole-in-one. I just thought, you know, that'd be significant. Bubba Watson gets a hole-in-one. Evan, you're watching uh, live, watching from the studio, watching in Augusta.
2: Every time I hear the name Bubba, I think about Bubba who wants me to eat a meatball sub. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be an ESPN radio, Bubba. Excuse me. How do we feel about Bubba Watson there?
3: Uh, Bubba Watson, hole-in-one. This is two-time Masters champion Bubba Watson, but now... He's on the live tour, so we're not sure if he's going to play well or if he's going to not play well because those aren't real events.
1: Look at that. The analysis you can only get here. That's Evan live from the studio watching Augusta.
3: And Bubba also also hit a wedge, some sort of wedge. That's all they hit on this course. It was on the fourth hole.
1: The camera's We're a little right high right so on He hit a wedge. I can't see if he has a wedge. We'll keep you updated on that, though, of course. All right. We'll keep the draft conversation going. Uh, for all the talk about quarterbacks, maybe there's one player that should be taken above all of them. We'll get uh, expertise on it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz
2: and Harry, The podcast.
1: Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're basically like a swirl cone. One of us, silky smooth chocolate. One of us, very bland vanilla. I'll let you decide which one's which. Uh, Before we get to our (laughs) guest here quickly, uh, we do have an update for you.
0: Live from Augusta, Georgia, this is a Fitz and Harry Masters
1: Update. We're going to go to our master's correspondent, Evan, in the studio watching in Augusta. Uh, Evan, what do we got?
3: Yeah, Seamus Power after an ace on the eighth hole, an ace on the ninth hole, back-to-back aces, that is two hole-in-ones in in a row, that is the third hole-in-one of the day.
1: It's well done by you, Evan. And uh, by the way, on this show from now, he's Seamus. I have the power! It's a He-Man reference, all right? All right, let me let it. me live. Uh, let's uh, bring Field Yates into this conversation. Field, the most important question. Is it two holes in one, or is it two hole-in-ones when you're talking about golf? I don't know the answer to this.
4: Holy crap. No pun intended. I don't know. That got me. Um... I'm gonna go two hole in one. What did you guys
1: say? I think it's hole in ones. I think that's the right thing to do. I, like, it just feels more. Evan's just looking at me saying, "Don't, don't." I'm going. Fine. I'm
2: going with two in one hole. That's okay.
1: What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? Feel, feel, I mean, did I say that? I think I said it wrong. I think. I, I think we're gonna move so quickly. We're gonna power walk fast that one. I may have uh, said it wrong. Field. Now that I'm done. Now that it's the last episode ever. If it's an area. Oh, we appreciate you. Talking. Uh, let me ask you about the draft. I know everybody's asking you the same things about the draft. I want to ask you a different question. Who is, quite simply, the best player? I don't care about position. If you, if you were sitting there blindly and you could take the best player in this draft, who is that person?
4: Well, first of all, uh, I appreciate the fact that you're not going down the same path that everybody has already gone down. I could make a pretty compelling case for Jalen Carter being the best player when he is at his best. Now, I also think there's a pretty darn good case for Will Anderson as the player who, on average, is the best player because you got good Will Anderson more often than you got good Jalen Carter. Carter, certainly outstandingly dominant. I just think that for a longer period of time, over multiple seasons, Will Anderson has shown himself to be an incredibly capable uh, pass rusher at the college level. I think that will be the case at the pro level as well, although I am enamored by some of the cornerbacks in this class, too, that if he told me pound for pound that Devin Witherspoon was the most impactful player in the draft one day, it would not totally stun me. He's the Illinois cornerback.
2: Now, Phil, I want to ask you about these tight ends because a lot of these guys are going to come off the board within the first two rounds. Who do you feel like will have the better pro career from that position?
4: So I think everybody should get familiar with a handful of names. I think the most likely two tight ends to be off the board first are Dalton Kincaid from Utah, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. And stylistically, they couldn't be more different. Michael Mayer is a very, very good blocker. He is not an outstanding athlete, but he is a good athlete. Dalton Kincaid is a very good athlete. We don't know exactly how good because he has not been available for some of the pre-draft testing, but he absolutely shredded USC twice this past year. So if you want to figure out something about Utah's Dalton Kincaid, put on either of their matchups against USC, one during the regular season and one in the Pac-12 championship game. And so I think it's probably a matter of what you want out of your tight ends. And I think that while, you know, George Kittles of the world are tremendous, um, We've seen someone like Travis Kelsey, who even if he is a superior pass catcher than he is a blocker, has made more difference for the Chiefs than any tight end in the league for the past half decade. So I think Kincaid is the guy that probably has the more specific skill set as a pass catcher, but I think Michael Mayer has a chance to be the most well-rounded of the group, and I think the overall depth of the tight end class this year, Harry, was really reflected in NFL free agency because if you go around and look at the contracts dished out this year to tight ends, it was not a strong market. Hayden Hurst got a solid deal from the Carolina Panthers, but other than that, a lot of guys settling for one-year contracts at the tight end spot, which showed that teams are saying to themselves, we could spend big at tight end or we could spend a lot less and get a player under contract for four years who's younger and might have just as much, if not more, upside.
1: We're talking to Field Yates, co-host of the first draft podcast on Fitz and Harry. So you mentioned how deep the tight end class. I want to go the opposite way because I feel like when the three of us are sitting together on draft night uh, digitally, you can watch us when we're sitting there together with a big group of people. There's going to be somebody uh, that sort of takes a reach in the first round or second round of the draft. But my question is, when you look positionally around the board, what position stands out to you that has the biggest drop off from the top couple of guys to the rest
4: Ooh, that's a great question right there, too, Fitz. Um, I think – I'm just making sure that I process this. So, I think there's a pretty good case that offensive tackle drops off in a hurry. You've got the Broderick Jones of the world and the Darnell Wrights of the world. They went to Georgia and Tennessee, respectively. Paris Johnson from Ohio State, who's going to be a first-round left tackle as well. And then I think you see a pretty decided drop-off at some point. So Anton Harrison from Oklahoma in there as well. I don't see great depth at the tackle class this year. Probably the position that lacks maybe the most depth in general, safety. There's really not a standout safety in this year's class. I would imagine that Brian Branch from Alabama ends up as the highest drafted safety, but I'm not even sure he's a lock to go in round one. And then there are certainly some solid players at safety position beyond that. But that's the one that if you don't get one early, I'm not sure I'm expecting a, a major impact player out of the chutes here in the early portions of his career. Uh, those are a couple of positions that come to mind that, um, and I think for a while people have viewed quarterback that way, but we're starting to see a bit more depth at that quarterback spot because of guys like, Anthony Richardson shooting up the boards, and Hendon Hooker making a strong pre-draft push, and then also some guys that I think showed well during the pre-draft process in the Senior Bowl, including Jake Hayner, at of Fresno State.
2: My last one I have oh. for you, Phil, really quick. Who is, your, who is your favorite wide receiver in this draft?
4: Yeah, so I think the answer probably on average is going to end up being Jackson Smith and Jigma. I have been leaning that way for a while. I could be talked into Zay Flowers, no Harry. There's an interesting... I think sort of dynamic in play near the top of the wide receiver boards, and that Zay Flowers is the smallest of the guys that are being considered the top wideout, but he plays big. Quinton Johnston from TCU is the biggest of the guys that are considered in that top wideout tier, he plays small. So I think Zay Flowers is really interesting, exciting, compelling player. I do lean, though, overall to Jackson Smith and Jigba, a guy who we saw very little of this year because of injury, but at the end of the 2021 season, He set the bowl game record with over 320 receiving yards against Utah in the Rose Bowl.
1: Check out the First Draft podcast, of course, and check us out all together uh, on the digital draft shows when those come at the end of the month. Field Yates, Field, always appreciate you, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us.
4: All right, guys, take care. Talk to you soon.
1: Bits and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility, great pay, benefits? Go to progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Coming up, one NBA team with a massive dilemma as they look to break an unthinkable losing streak. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
4: One, two, three. 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 Three is a
2: magic move. You play the Los Angeles Clippers, and that's a team that's sitting in the sixth seed right above you. So this is an opportunity for you to, after tonight, be in that sixth seed. So now you don't have to, you know, you got to win the other two games. But for, for, for the time being, you are the sixth seed if you win this matchup. You don't have time for no LeBron and the coaches and AD to be talking about. We got to sit our guys out. They play too much. I don't give a damn. It's it's go time. It's go time. Ain't no time to sit out. You got to make the playoffs. You want to solidify a spot. Solidify it. That's another step in doing that.
1: Three hours later. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, series, XM, channel. Lady Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. The way you just said, "Ah, don't give it in." Like your whole timing and pace on it, very Chris Tucker. I like. I got Friday moves. It's Friday. You ain't got no job. You ain't got <laughs> mm to do. I, I, I was. I was getting. I was. Oh you, man.
2: You know, it, it, it's funny, Fitz, that you say that because there are two people that a lot of people in this world tell me I remind them of. It is Kevin Hart and Chris Tucker. My brother looks more like Chris Tucker, like seriously though.
1: You could you could make a side like side gig out of uh, impersonating Chris Tucker. I think there's a thing. Also, uh, you know, obviously, as they tell you all the time in the show, Harry's at Studio HD in Atlanta. I'm in Bristol, Connecticut. We're on a Zoom together, Harry. I just got to tell you, dressed for success Wednesday, I took the tie off, let the top uh, button go on the shirt, feeling yeah. very Bradley Cooper in The Hangover. Like I got just a little bit of like the the chest I've been working on starting to pop out of the shirt's tighten oh, all I the know, right I place. I know
2: what that means. I mean, I'm just looking at because like, me Whoa. and you about to be in New York. You about to be scooping <laughs> them up left <laughing> and <laughs> right. Man, I know you. I'm just like, you about to scoop them, baby.
1: Woo! I yeah, just, man. Call me the ice cream man. Uh, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. What? Show him your,
2: ta- <laughs> show him your taco. your meat. Show him your taco
1: meat. Oh man. Now no, this is all very well kept. You know, like I, I'm a. You know, I shave my arms every day. And I got oh, you a waxer? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm. I, what? Okay, I'm not a waxer, but I am gonna get laser hair removal on my legs because what? hear me out. Like. <laughs> Uh, I shave my arms every day because of my tattoos, right? And then I got I to gotta grease them up and shave them down. Like that what? just says the whole thing every day when I shower. I don't want to have to, I want to I want to continue the work all the way down my side, especially as I get my sensual summer body Excuse into me. my legs. And I don't want to have to shave my legs after I get tattoo work done. So I think I'm just going to get laser hair removal, get all the legs taken off from, you know, basically Excuse the waist down. And then we'll just uh, let the party start on the, the tattoos on the legs.
3: What? You're going to have your Devin, legs taken off?
1: No, no don't, don't just stop, don't stop with just these the, damn the the hair.
3: <laughs> you literally just said I'm going to have my legs taken off. No, all my hair, ways.
1: The, the hair, well, no, everything. You're really into this fitness You, huh? say,
3: you said you were going to have your legs taken off. Okay, Twitter guy. Legs. I must have
2: misspoken that. So so, so like Evan that, and Devin, are, 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 are y'all are y'all waxers too? No, I'm not okay. a waxer. No. Okay. I've never waxed, but you know, now I'm What about you, Evan?
3: Uh, I I mean, I don't even have enough... Uh. Hair. I have That was him. a long pause. That was a long
1: pause. <laughs> Evan took a long. You know what that was? That was Evan thinking. Is my wife listening right now? Check. No. <laughs> is my dad listening right now? Check. Um, you know what? I don't want to talk about this, guys. I don't want to talk. This feels oh, like one of those man. shows where on the way, like Evan's gonna get in the car, his dad's gonna call him, and he's gonna be like, "I don't know, Dad. Did I, we tried. Ask Harry? I tried." That's hey, right. Yeah, Harry.
3: Today is his birthday. So if he is oh, listening, no Happy birthday! Yeah. That's
1: amazing. Yeah. Uh, happy birthday! How did we not? How did
3: you not throw that in the show earlier? I, don't know, I sent him a text. Oh,
2: yeah. uh Evan, your dad's birthday is today? It is. My dad and my grandfather's birthday is today as well. Wow. Wow. So, happy, birthday birthday. Ya. Okay. Happy, birthday. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you.
1: Devin's in here dancing instead of finding happy birthday on the computer, but that speaks to your sweet, sweet vocals that everybody wanted. Oh, uh,
2: oh. Uh. Birthday happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. I do want to make sure
1: while we say happy birthday to all the dads that we remind you that there's an ESPN NBA doubleheader tonight. Bulls at Bucks, 7 30 p.m. Eastern. The Bucks magic number is one. One is the loneliest number to clinch the top seed in the East. That game, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN+. Lakers at Clippers, 10 p.m. Eastern. The Clippers have won 10 in a row versus the Lakers. I want to say that again because you all think I'm an idiot and can't read, and I know, but like every once in a while, it's not a misspeak. The Clippers have won 10 in a row against the Lakers. The Lakers coming off, uh, this will be the back half of a back-to-back where LeBron and AD played a ton of minutes. Man, the Clippers got to win this game, Harry. They, they simply have to win this game for their playoff lives.
2: Yeah, and I will say this, even without Paul George, you look at the game that the Lakers had last night – you you got to take advantage of the situation. It's not your problem that they, you know, went into overtime with the Utah Jazz. Take advantage of the situation and continue to be in the spot that you are for the playoffs.
1: Yeah, it's, it's better to be lucky than good. And you're lucky right now that you're getting the Lakers coming off of this sort of effort against the Jazz. Uh, be sure to hang out with us again tomorrow morning. Harry Douglas and I will be with Christine Williamson on First Take starting at 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN2. Come watch us and then hang out with us on Fitz and Harry. In the meantime, go check out Kenny and Carlin coming up next on ESPN Radio.